Welcome to the Anthem Church Podcast. Our desire is to transform lives through authentic experiences with God and with people. This message is brought to you from Anthem Church in Fairview, Oregon. We pray you are encouraged, inspired, and strengthened through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. Welcome, Anthem. How are you today? Y'all good? Yeah, come on. No snow today. Isn't that awesome? But we want to welcome all those that are joining us online today. We're so grateful for you. Come on, Anthem. Give them a big God bless. All right, put your hands together. Show them a little love. And also, all of you that are joining us via the podcast, listening in now, we're so grateful for you and uh, hope that you're being blessed by uh, whenever you're uh, listening to this recording. So God bless you. What a great day at Anthem. I tell you, the first service was awesome. Things are so cool. And uh, I'm just uh, so grateful for you all being here. And uh, I just want to say, listen, you put God first. You're honoring God with the first part of your week. And God is going to bless you. He always honors those who honor him with the first. First part of the day, first part of the week, first part of the year. That's why we do our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then, listen, you honor him with the first of your, uh, of your life, the first fruits. It's, a, it's a, just an amazing thing. And you watch how God just blesses that in uh, that every area of your life. So I'm just so uh, grateful for you all because there's a lot of places you could choose to be and you chose to be here. Then may the Lord just bless you incredibly. Uh, so we're uh, in the second week of the series called This Is Us. And if you weren't here last week, like a lot of you weren't, uh, and you need to catch up, you can go online and, and listen to that. Last week we started this out by talking about the five dysfunctions of a family, dysfunctions of a family, and uh, you were introduced to the Pearson family. How many have seen This Is Us, the series? One or two or all of them or a few, and um, you know, I've heard people say, well, I hadn't listened, watched it before, but I, I, I watched the first one and I cried so much, I, I, I just couldn't bring myself to listen anymore, but uh, they, they got into it and had a great weekend uh, or a great week just getting to know the Pearson family, and we talked about them. And, uh, and so this week, we're going to go back and uh, we're going to talk about marriage and we're going to talk about love and we're going to talk about, um, and, and I want to start by this little clip from the series where Jack is reminding Rebecca about his love and their marriage. So let's watch this. You know, I was supposed to have another date the night that we met. Did I ever tell you that? No. The woman that sold me the Chevelle, she set me up. Then I saw you, and I stood the other girl up. I wonder who she was. I never have. You've asked me a question before. What is it that I love about you now? So I'm going to start with the obvious. I love the mother that you are. I love that you are still the most beautiful woman in any room. And that you laugh with your entire face. I love that you dance funny and not sexy, which makes it even sexier. But most of all, I love that you are still the same woman who all those years ago ran out of a my day because she simply 
You're not just my great love story, Rebecca. You. You were my big break. Thank you. Thank you. And our love story, I know it may not feel like it right now. Maybe. Hi. Hi. I promise you. It's just getting started. Wow. Makes you me think of you, Lisa. Hey, <laughs> man. Just getting started. You know, getting started is very important. And getting started right is very important. Getting started over again is a very important thing. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the blueprint that God has for marriage and what he says about it. And I want to I want to take some time to look at God's original intent and design for marriage. I also want to discuss a few basic concepts that I think will be very helpful for those of you that are married and uh, and maybe you're struggling a little bit and I think it'll be very helpful for you to kind of reset the things that are important to make sure the foundation is solid. And if you're not married, today you are going to get the most fantastic blueprint and then plan for you to uh, to follow in order to just step into the greatest marriage possible. And I really believe that God has a great plan for that. Now, you don't want to build on a faulty foundation. You want to build on a solid foundation. Jesus said it best in Matthew 7, 24 through 28. You can look that up later. But he said, you build on the rock and the house is going to stand. You build on something that is, you build on sand and then you're, you're in trouble because things are going to go down. Last series, we talked about a life built on the rock and that, of course, is God's word, the word of God. And so solid stuff for our life to be built on is right here in the words that God gave us. And so if you build on something else, I, I promise you it's going to be trouble from the start because this world's concept and ideas about uh, how to build a great marriage are very flawed. And a lot of the stuff you're going to hear today came from a, uh, uh, began, came to me about 25 years ago. I was in my office and uh, a call came in and I took the call. And it was from a couple that lived up in Washington, uh, quite a ways from here. And they had been uh, having some challenges with their marriage. And so they had heard about the church. They heard about what God was doing. They heard some good things. We had a lot of buzz going on in the community. And, and uh, so they called and uh, asked if they could meet with someone. And, and I got the call. And, and uh, what happened in that counseling session, you know, changed everything about the way that I have worked with marriages ever since. And so the, the day came when this couple were, sat down in my office and, and they began to tell me their story. And they said, you know, Pastor Brad, we have been going to a psychologist for 18 months, once a week, uh, you know, at, at, at around $100 a session. And they said, we're, we're no better for all of that. And so we decided maybe we'd give God a chance uh, and see if he could help us. And so I was kind of, uh, kind of laughing to myself uh, on the inside, thinking, yep, yeah, that's typical. People try everything first, and then they come back to the Lord and ask, God, can you help me? And, and uh, I thought, you know, he's the guy that designed it all, so it's true. You can get the help you need. And uh, so I, we, we started to talk. 
And again, as they shared, uh, you know, they're sitting next to each other, but they were so far apart from each other, it was not, it was not funny at all. And I'm thinking to myself as they're describing uh, their situation and, and the, the help that they had, re or the counseling that they had received, and I thought to myself, I begin to pray and say, Lord, I don't think I have anything I can offer. I don't know what I've got to offer these people. And, and uh, in fact, I started praying really hard because I knew that if the Lord didn't help me, that we were going to go down in a ball of fire right there, and it was not going to be pretty. And, uh, and I just have to say, I don't have anything for you. But the truth is, something stirred my heart, and I thought, wait a second, I may not have the answer, but I know a God that does. And I might not have the answer for their needs, but there's somebody that knows them and has the answer for them. And then the Holy Spirit whispered into my heart, into my ear, you know what? I'm here to counsel you. I'm here to guide you. And I had a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit and, and, uh, and, uh, that, was, that was strong, a good connection. And we started to pray. And we invited the Holy Spirit to come and be who he promised to be, the wonderful counselor, a counselor for our lives, the Prince of Peace. And something settled in on that meeting that, that just was supernatural. It was unexplainable, so powerful. And by the end of that, that session, this couple left, and I never heard from them for about four months until I got an invitation to their renewal of their vows, along with a very nice note that said, Pastor Brad, everything changed after we met with you. And so, you know, I know God did something supernatural there. And the answer to building a strong marriage begins with God and allowing him to do a supernatural work in your life. And it happens as we begin building on a solid foundation. And so uh, we're, that's what we want to do today. And I want to give you a few principles that I think that will really help. We've got to go back to the beginning. Let's go all the way back to Genesis, way to the, the, the first you know, couple chapters of the book where God sets this all up, okay? And in, in your key Bible verse today on your notes, take your notes out, jot some, you know, get your pen out, write some notes, because there's some things that I'm going to say that are not in your notes, and they'll be very helpful for you. Genesis 2, 23 through 25, it says, The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. First thing to, to realize is that marriage is important. It is important to God. In fact, it's so the reason we know it's important, because it was number two on God's to-do list. Number one, Create the universe, the worlds, okay? Creation, first thing. All right, check, got it done. Number two, establish marriage as a, as a, as a, as a covenant between a man and a woman. And I love this. Uh, and let me give you a little backdrop of, of how this is setting up, okay? Adam is a, is a soul, a living soul, the first created soul. And he is molded from the dust of the earth. God takes some clay, starts and, and, and molds Adam, breathes on him, and he becomes a living being fashioned by God, after his own image, God says. And, and then God gives Adam a job, okay? He gives him a job. He says, you know all these animals that are on the earth? He says, I want you to give them all names. Adam says, okay, let's go for it. And, and I'm sure he got started with like cat, 
Okay, that's going to be a dog. Okay, that's going to be a cow. All right, that's going to be a, a deer. We'll call that a sheep. And, and as they went on, you know, it started out with three letters. Next thing you know, he's running out of names, right? So that's why we get hippopotamus, you know, and then uh, a platypus and what a, some of the other ones. that That's because he was just running out of words, right? So anyway, so he gets this all done. All the animals and the creatures march by Adam, two by two, and they're all named. And then, you know, when they're done, Adam realizes, wait, wait, wait a second, God, there's, there's no one for me. These were all pairs, and I'm just one. And God said, yep, okay, let's take care of that. So he puts Adam to sleep, and then he takes from Adam, out of Adam's side, a, a, a part of Adam, and he fashions Eve molds Eve into a, a compatible mate, perfect for the man, okay? And, uh, and of course, you know, Adam wakes up and he looks and there's Eve lying there and he goes, whoa, a man. And God says, oh, woman, okay, we'll name her that, right? So he'd been naming everything else. Uh, I'm not sure that's exactly why he said that, but... Uh, um, so we, you know, it was woman, and God ordained it that woman would become the priority relationship for the man, and vice versa, that man would become the priority relationship for the woman. And you, you can see how important this is to God. And and from that moment on, Adam's relationship with Eve became the priority relationship in his life, second to his relationship God. Now this is what we know. This is how God designed it. This is how he set it up. So God didn't bring Adam two wives. God didn't bring Adam any, anything else. But he brought Eve to him and said, this is going to be your priority relationship in life, the woman. Amen. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on what our culture is saying now or, or, or promoting at all. I'm just going to say this is, if you want to know God's design, this was it. This is how God set it up, okay? So no judgment, no nothing, just, just this is the way God designed it, and this is how he set things up, okay? So marriage was, is important to God. It's important to God. And now the, the second part of that, it's important, we need to look at this, that, it, that uh, this is about leaving, okay? And leaving is a part of how important it is to God. Matthew, Jesus said this, he says, haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father, underline that word leave, his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. First thing that has to happen, you have to leave, right? What does it mean to leave? This is what it means. The truth is sometimes people have a hard time leaving. But God, what it means to leave is to leave who you have been, the identity of who you are, and to begin a new identity in the, in the relationship with your spouse. And uh, this is so important. But for a lot of people, it's hard to leave, okay? It's hard. To, they, they have time, a hard time leaving. Like the guy, remember the movie Failure to Launch, right? I mean, it was, uh, you know, he, he had it good. He's living at home, man. He's 30-something. He's got a six-digit, you know, uh, income. He's got, you know, moms taking care of the meals, taking care of the, the, the clothes, right? Why leave, right? 
And then, you know, others have, have had such a good family that they're just so connected, they have a hard time breaking away from the family in order to begin the new uh, identity and, and establish the relationship with your spouse. And if this doesn't take place, if the new identity isn't formed, if the leaving doesn't happen, then there is a real failure uh, to, uh, and all kinds of issues can arise from this. So very important. Uh, and let's think about an, another aspect of this, how it's illustrated in the Bible. At the end of the age, we know there's going to be an incredible wedding, uh, uh, an, the ultimate wedding, really, where Jesus and the bride come together. Jesus, the bridegroom, comes together with the bride of Christ, the church, and there's a huge wedding and a wedding reception at the end of the time. Jesus is going to receive his bride. Well, here's the thing. Jesus had to leave the Father in heaven. He had to give up uh, his, he left his, he left heaven. He left his, his place. He left his position. He left everything so that he could make his bride, the church, the highest priority of his life. What a great example for us to follow. Come on, say amen. And it's a great principle here that this leaving part, and I think it's illustrated in one of the most famous verse in the Bible in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only one and son, uh, his one and only son that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so Jesus leaves everything to go after his bride, right? For God so loved, let's just look at this verse for a second. The, the word, the Greek word for love in here is the Greek word agape. And agape love is a simply a love that you can't earn. You can't deserve. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. You can't perform well enough to, to, to get it, okay, to receive it. It's the kind of love that God loves us. He asks the question, then why does God love us? Well, because he chooses to. He chose to. He says, I'm going to love you no matter what, no matter what you do, no matter, you know, how you reject me, I'm going to, I make a choice and I'm going to love you no matter what. It's a, it's a, it's a commitment to love at all times through all things. Okay. And there's an action that follows that kind of love. It's kind of the verb, right? That follows the, the noun. It is, the, the verb is loved he gave God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son how much did Jesus give for us how much did he give up for us everything didn't he he gave everything to the point of death because that's the example that he wants us to have that he is willing to leave everything to make his bride the highest priority in his life look what it says in Ephesians 5:25. <coughs> excuse me Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it's the same word. Isn't it interesting? The love in that is the same word. Husbands, agape your wives. Wives, agape your husbands. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's leaving who we are, what we, what we possess, what we prize, what we, what we think is ours, and committing to give up, leave everything behind in order that we can meet all the needs of the other person. 
And I'm telling you what happens when a, a, a husband and a wife give away everything and say, you know what, I commit 100% of my world to, to meeting your needs as they, the other person gives up themselves 110% to meet the needs of the other person. It just beca- begins this synergy that is incredible and amazing. <clears throat> and, and contrary to what most people say in the world, the marriage relationship and the love relationship in a marriage is not a 50-50 thing. Come on, how many of you heard it's 50-50, right? 50 give, 50 take. No, no, how much did God give? God gave 110%, zero take. And, and so if we follow that example and each partner, each you know, husband and wife, it give up 110% of themselves in order to meet the needs of the other person, Listen, that's really good stuff happens. Good things happen. And that's why Jesus gave us that example to follow. Now, now leaving, there's another part of leaving. Leaving is also about emptying the soul bucket too. Leaving that behind, okay? And you go, Pastor Red, what's the soul bucket? Well, the soul bucket is filled with all the attachments that you had from pre- previous relationships. Emotional attachments you know, soulish attachments, and in some cases, physical attachments with past relationships. And if you don't empty the soul bucket, then when you go to the altar to, to, and, you know, to the two to become one, you bring with you all the, the invisible attachments from the other people that were in the his, your history and past. And so you bring, you know, uh, you know, how many more ever there might be of them. And it's not just the two becoming one, but it's the two becoming, you know, 15 or whatever. And so it, get, it gets mixed up. We'll talk about that more in the third point here. But God's plan was for marriage to be, you can see how important it was to him. The second thing in God's plan is, to, is marriage is to be permanent. And, and permanent, thank you so much, man of God, servant of the Most High. What an anointing. You heard the Holy Spirit. And Scott does. And I'm just not making a joke there. He's a great man of God. So marriage is to be permanent. And this is about cleaving, okay? It's about, it's about cleaving. You leave to cleave. That's to be joined with, okay? And, uh, and, and it, it just means I'm going to go through hell and high water to make this work. Pastor, you don't know the person that I'm married to, though, or you don't know the monster I'm married to, all right? Uh, uh, listen, no, I don't. But what I do know is that with man, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Come on, say it. All things are possible. And uh, so Genesis 2.24, go back, it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. Be joined means to, what, what that means, it comes from a word that, uh, that says, that's about making a covenant or making a covenant agreement. Now that's, a, that's, an, that's an old term, but covenant agreement was, was very um, popular in Old Testament times. And two parties would come together to make an agreement, and they would go through a, this ritual to really make it, you know, to celebrate this agreement. And what they would do is take a bird or an animal and cut it in half, and in and, and this elaborate ceremony, both parties would walk through the center 
of those two parts, and the agreement would be such in that if either party broke the agreement, then what happened to these, this poor animal would happen to the party that broke the agreement. Pretty strong stuff, right? Yeah, when you, when you see the, the two carcasses just laying, or the two halves of the carcass laying there. So that was the kind of covenant that was made, and God calls marriage a covenant. And, um, and very, and to, be, to be a permanent, something that, that uh, would last a lifetime. And that's the way God sees marriage. And that's why, you know, Jesus saw it so important as he said, you know, that what God has joined together, let no man put asunder or let no man divide. And so, and Paul said it this way too. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, 27, he said, are you committed to a wife or are you committed to a husband? Do not seek to be released. Okay, so I think that kind of makes it clear that God had a plan. Now, what's interesting to me is that Jesus and Paul spoke the most about the marriage relationship, and neither of them were married. That's kind of funny. But maybe, you know, they were able to step back and have real clarity and give us real insight, and I think that that's important. Now, when it comes to permanence, I put this, this is out in your notes, but this is a great quote that I think you should jot down. And it'll just, they'll just leave it up here. But permanence simply means staying loyal to what you've said, what you said you were going to do long after the mood you said it in left you. How many remember your wedding day, right? You've seen couples make their, their wedding vows, right? Everybody is, oh, oh, tears are falling, you know, Kleenex. Where do you put the Kleenex, girls? You know, what, where do you carry them? You know, there's a lot of emotion. They're repeating these vows, right? But you don't know whether or not they're going to keep those vows until the dirty now and now of life shows up, right? Until the storm blows in and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, where did this come from? And now, you really, now is the time that you, you, you see whether or not that commitment to stay loyal or to stay, you know, uh, to stay loyal to the things you said, whether it's going to happen or not. And so, you know, I think that's so important. So let me tell you, it's much easier to stay loyal to what you've said in your vows if you've built a foundation that's on, on, the, on the basis of God's word, on agape love, and giving up yourself for the other person. Come on, give me an amen there, okay? See, the worldly, a worldly relationship starts out with this question. What can I get out of this relationship, right? What can I get? Boy sees girl, girl sees boy, hubba hubba. Fireworks go off, and what is the expectation? I want, uh, you know, I want to get in a relationship so you can meet some needs that I have, right? But the, the, other, the, the, the staying power of permanence begins with this question. What can I give up to make this relationship better? The first one is a relationship that's based on selfishness. What's in it for me? And that's not a good foundation. But when you build on what can I give up to make this relationship better? That's a relationship that's built on agape love. So can I, let me give you five commitments to make to, to build permanence in your marriage. And I, and I didn't put these in the notes, so you'll have to write them down. You have to commit to prioritize one another. Prioritize one another. Make the other person 
the, the first priority, and we talked a lot about that. You need to con commit to pursue one another, to prioritize and to commit to pursue one another. That simply means that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take time to go after that person. I'm going to pursue time with them. I'm going to ask them questions like, what are you thinking right now? What are you feeling right now? And you're going you're gonna to intentionally try to get into their world. Come on, are you with me? All right, the third thing is you're going to commit to possess one another. And, that, and I'm not talking about control or dominate or own here. What I'm talking about is, you know, when you possess something of value, you treat it well. You treat it, you know, very special, okay? And Jesus, he, he called us a royal priesthood. A, a chosen generation, a holy people, right? And those are the, 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 the adjectives of, of how you possess and you, you speak admiration and life and blessing and encouragement over another person. Number four is a commit to uh, protect one another. You know, God loves us with, with a commitment to protect us. And jot this down in Psalm 121, verse 7. Look it up. It says, he will guard your life, okay? And I want to encourage you, guard your spouse and protect them. And you, you, you protect one another by being attentive to the needs of the other, making sure that, you know, you're supplying the emotional needs, the spiritual needs, and the physical needs of the other person. Come on, are you getting a plan here? Are you seeing a blueprint? Are you, are you seeing a model? For those of you that are not married, I hope you're taking good notes because you can re reference these, okay? And then the fifth thing is commit to purify one another. Uh, we looked at the first part of this verse in Ephesians 5, 25, but let's, it, through 27, let's read the rest of it. It goes like this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water uh, through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And you know what this picture of is? It, it, it's a picture of your spouse, uh, of what God wants us to do with our spouse, to wash them with words of affirmation and of praise and, and build them up and encourage them so that they, they become better and better and feel better about themselves and who they are, no matter where they are, what they're going through in life. Come on, are you, are you with me? That's, that's just esteeming them higher and continually to wash them with words of praise. Amazing. Good preaching, Brad. I'm impressed. <laughs> and finally, finally, here's the marriage is to be intimate. And this is the about becoming one. Amen. And I think it's important to talk about intimacy because you know, intimacy and sex and listen, when you make when you make marriage a high priority and make it as important as God makes it. If you see marriage as, as, as permanent and you, and you work towards that end, building up your spouse, it, the result is oneness. Oneness that is more than just sex. Because sex is, is not the, what creates oneness. The sex act is not, okay? Oneness is something that, it, that is built towards through all the, the, the process. And, you know, the Bible says that, that, that it's what leads to nakedness without shame. Have you ever wondered why God would put that 
verse in the Bible, you know, uh, you know, and they became one flesh, and the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. I mean, it's like, okay, wh why would God put that in there just to remind us of that? Well, I think that there's a reason. Because I think they were, you know, the fact that they were not ashamed, that happens when you know in your heart that you have prioritized that person, you pursued, possessed, protected, purified your spouse, washed them with words of affirmation and encouragement, did everything, gave up yourself 110% to meet their needs and, and, and left everything behind for their sake. I'm telling you what, this just opens the door for a oneness that is incomparable to something the world offers. And, and, and I think that's, you know, that's why I mentioned also that it's so important to empty that soul bucket, right? Because every soul tie to another person, if you have a soul tie connected to another person, it can lead to uh, wrong expectations. You start expecting things that are wrong. You, it can lead to comparisons that are, that are, that, that, are uh, that hinder and just mess with the relationship or it can lead to demanding something that your spouse is incapable of of giving so you need to take all those relationships and just take them to God and maybe you need to get away by yourself and, and write those things down and say in Jesus name these are ended and I'm free from all of them. Come on, are you with me? That's something we do in our, when we do encounter or uh, freedom weekends. But it's something each one of you can do. Because oneness is, is so important. It's so important. That is just, you know, that oneness that God wants you to attain. Uh, oneness also, here's another part of it, is oneness can't be attained quickly. Or like, we're just going to, you know, we're going to check it off the list. All right, yep, we got that. We got, we're one, okay? No, it's, it's, it's something that takes time, okay? And, and here's, I love that Jesus didn't hurry relationships. Jesus, you know, he, 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 he took time with relationships. He was extravagant with his time, in fact. And, and I love that we see Jesus just, you know, the disciples are saying, hey, we got to go. We got to get across. We got to get here. We got to go there. We got to go eat. You know, it's time. And he goes, no, nah, no, nah, hold on, hold on. I think they're hungry. Let's feed them. You know, he'd spend three hours with, with sinners and tax collectors just sitting back and have dinner with them. He gave his time generously. And I think if you, oneness is a, a result of giving your time generously and, and giving it up for the sake of the other person. Folks, we just don't want to do this thing called marriage the world's way, okay? We want to do it God's way. We want to follow his blueprint. You know, you know the, world, the world has a plan, right? Here it is. It's, it's, it's quick. It's right, right. Find the right person, right? Find the right person. And you got all kinds of websites, dating plans, you know, just, just find the right person. Fall in love, fall in love, fix all your hopes and dreams on them. You know, the, the, this is the answer to my prayers, okay, this person. And if failure occurs, repeat step one through three. <laughs> Just go do it again, right? Find the right person. Fix all your hopes and dreams on them. If failure occurs, they must not have been the right person. So find the right person. And it goes on and on and on until you're so broken, you say, forget about it. Never going to do that again, right? And you know people that have gone through that. But here's God's way. It's totally different. 
Here's what God's way. Instead of find the right person, God says, become the right person. And that's why I'm so proud of you. You're here. You're becoming the right person. You're listening. You're grabbing a hold of this stuff. You become, and, it, and instead of falling in love, God says, walk in love. Just walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in love now. Learn to walk out love. Because if you walk in love, you won't have to fall in or out of love. You'll, love will come. Amen? You'll draw love. You'll be, love will, will be a part of your world. Just walk in love. And then here's the third one. Instead of putting your hopes and dreams, it, all your hopes and dreams in the person, you put all your hopes and dreams on God. Because I promise you, the person sitting next to you can't meet all of your needs. They can't give you what you need in self-esteem and they need, we all need to get that from God, amen? So put your, all your hopes and dreams on God. And if failure occurs, because we do live in a broken world and failure does happen, things go down, right? If failure occurs, repeat steps one, two, and three. Become the right person. Fix the things. Become the right person. Walk in love. And put all your hopes and dreams in God. I'll tell you, listen, that's God's blueprint. And if we'll follow those things, if we'll make it your highest priority relationship, your marriage, if you'll commit to permanence by walking in love, if you'll walk towards oneness by letting God mold you, mold you into the person that he wants you to become. And folks, he started out molding Adam and molding Eve. He's in the molding business, and he still does molding. He can mold us, and he can mold our spouses. He can mold the one that you're thinking about burying, you're engaged to, you're hoping you'll get in a relationship with. He can mold them as you put it, God first. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you that, God, you're amazing, the amazing transformer of our hearts, our lives. Lord, we thank you for your blueprint. You laid it out right from the beginning. Lord, we don't have to try to come up with our own idea, but you gave us a plan. And so, Father, I pray that today, Lord, the, through the words that I've shared, the scriptures, the talk that we've had, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to stir in every heart a word one concept one idea something that is the next step for each one to begin to work on in their life and lord we thank you for that and god i thank you that you're going to bless with incredible marriages and i i just thank you that marriages are being made whole today i thank you that testimonies are going to arise from, from from god from this word in jesus name i thank you that you're setting captives free those that have been connected in soulish ties and 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 uh, uh, from the past lord those things are being broken right now in jesus name and father i thank you that hope is coming alive in, in hearts that thought there was no hope for them. In Jesus' name. 
Thank you for joining us. We are located at 1415 Northeast 223rd Avenue in Fairview, Oregon. You can find us online at www.anthemfamily.org and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at My Anthem Family. God bless.